Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. What's up, guys? Today we discuss about account based marketing. Uh, I'm not sure that it's new, but uh, it's interesting to uh, consider this topic if you want to get more sales results from your marketing channels. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with John Eminizer. How are you? Hey, man. I'm doing great. Yeah, really excited for the discussion. Yeah, yeah. It's a big pleasure. I check out your profile. You have extended experience. And can you tell how to pronounce your second name, you know, because with my Ukrainian <laughs> pronunciation, it's hard to pronounce any names. You actually did a really great job better than like 99% of people. So it's Eminizer. Uh, so oh. you, you, you were pretty darn close, man. Yeah, Eminizer. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Okay, uh, before we start, just uh, tell about your experience, background, and why you decided to pay uh, attention with uh, this type of marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm VP of Business Development at a company called Spear Marketing Group. And so we work, most of our clients are B2B tech companies, right? And uh, as I think most are aware, you know, ABM account-based marketing is a huge kind of trending topic and has been for at least a half dozen years in B2B circles, right? And so uh, account-based marketing is, you know, a, a huge part of what I'm talking with B2B marketers about day in and day out. Uh, you know, I talk to probably hundreds of marketers, you know, throughout any given year and ABM comes up at least probably in half of those conversations, roughly speaking. Uh, and so there's kind of been this growing appetite appetite, excuse me, in the market for ABM, uh, just more and more folks interested in it. And I think, you know, there's so many reasons for that. But if I had to kind of offer one quick initial idea, uh, why ABM is such an important topic, I think B2B sales teams for decades now, right, have done target account selling. That's just how salespeople think, you know, here's my list of accounts. Um, and when we think about trying to align marketing and sales with each other, you know, if you can align marketing in that way too, where they're going after uh, kind of a synchronized target account list, that's pretty powerful as well. So um, ho hopefully that's helpful. But yeah, there's, there's a lot more we can obviously uh, dive into in each of those kind of uh, concepts. Yeah, nice. Uh, you know, uh, I, I check out a few studies about um, sales and marketing. In most cases, they don't want to cooperate with each other because, you know, uh, salespeople don't, uh, distrust marketers. Marketers, uh, they uh, don't want to ask people who distrust them <laughs> how to unite <laughs> right. them, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how to unite these departments. Uh, and because I think marketers uh, depend on data from salespeople without the right data, it's hard to create uh, the right strategy and go ahead with that. Can you tell uh, from your experience how to do it, how to create these friendships between these departments. That's a great consideration. And you're 100% right. You know, when we think about ABM, typically ABM makes sense in kind of a enterprise or large mid-market context, right? You're, you're not going after small companies because again, it's you're investing more in each account you're going after. So it has to be a pretty big fish, right? Um, so, so to your point, I mean, these big fish accounts you're going after, it's a pretty lengthy sales cycle most of the time, right? It could be six months, could be 18 months. And so you can't have marketing and sales in silos and succeed with that. You have to have tight alignment. I think that typically sales is more uh, open <laughs> to, to kind of having a friendly relationship with marketing. 
when marketing is trying to do an ABM approach, because it, again, it aligns with how sales already thinks about things, right? If sales is already thinking in terms of target accounts and marketing says, hey, we're going to help engage those accounts you're already prioritizing, uh, sales is usually pretty open to that kind of the opposite scenario, right? And sometimes where there's friction between marketing and sales is because sales has this target account list, but marketing is doing their own thing, you know, generating leads from other companies that maybe aren't in the target account list, right? So I think just by definition, ABM can help create some alignment there, but you're right. I mean, it doesn't, it's not a silver bullet, right? Just because you decide to do ABM, it doesn't uh, fix your culture issues, <laughs> right? But there's a lot to unpack there, but I think, um, conceptually, it helps to align the departments, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Okay, uh, let's start from the basics. Can you tell more about what is account-based marketing and why it's important today? Yeah, well, I think that one interesting thing about ABM is that, I won't say everyone, but it, it seems like almost everyone you talk to has their own kind of flavor or twist or their own definition for it, right? Again, I'm talking to dozens and dozens of people about it throughout the year. And mm -hmm. each one has their own little emphasis, their own focus. And sometimes they have completely different definitions for it. I mean, everyone says, okay, it's account-based marketing. But what is that? What is that really? I think that what, what I've learned over the last five or six years, really, uh, particularly the last two or three years, is that you need, um, you, you need layers of intent signals to help determine which accounts you're going after. Before I get to that, you know, I want to make sure I address kind of the, the second part of your question, like what is ABM? High level, you know, I think everyone or most everyone would agree that ABM is about going after a kind of a focus list of the highest value accounts that you could go after. So you're basically prioritizing your target market and saying, we're going to really prioritize this small set of accounts. And again, small, it's a relative term. Some mm -hmm. people do ABM going after 10 accounts. Some people go after 500, right? But, but you get mm -hmm. the picture. We're going after the highest value accounts. And we're going to, again, align sales and marketing so that we're, you know, marketing and sales are kind of this one-two punch where we're trying to engage target buyers again within these, you know, very valuable accounts. And so I think ABM has many different components. You know, it has a data component where you need to get, um, intent signals uh, showing which accounts are researching relevant topics. You need to think about content and creative, of course. What What's kind of the messaging narrative with which we're going to try and get the attention of these accounts? You need to think about, you know, channel strategy, everything from paid channels to organic channels to social media. You need to think through kind of the piece that you already brought up, alignment between your departments, you know, sales, marketing, um, oftentimes even customer success will get involved. So, so that's another interesting thing about ABM is there are so many variables that you need to line up. And, and I think ABM is very much a journey. You know, it's not mm -hmm. um, something you set it and forget it. Again, you have so many variables that you're tweaking and optimizing that you need to view it as this kind of marathon where, sure, you can see short-term results, but really it's, it's often kind of a medium or long-term play. You know, again, just by definition, the sales cycle for these enterprise accounts is usually 12 months, right? Or sometimes longer. Mm -hmm. So um th th there's a lot to consider there for sure mm -hmm. yeah got it valuable uh okay uh i wanna share uh for example why marketers can see a different picture with uh sales people because today uh for example if you uh, set up paid marketing you are waiting results tomorrow or uh yep. for a few days a short 
terms. Uh, but in most cases, content marketing and many other channels, uh, uh, yeah, they take time. No, uh, yes. you need to spend time to create craft content. Uh, and yeah, uh, and we need to create brand awareness as well to create PR campaigns, many other stuff that salespeople might not understand because they want to sales. They want to sell today. And uh, we have a uh, real time value. For example, when we uh uh for example if we spent uh i don't know like a dollar for marketing campaign uh it's hard to get dollar back uh after one sales you need to sell more times many times yeah, like subscription base or uh, uh your um, customers need to find uh, uh or recommend to their friends colleagues you know to uh, bring them to the board how uh to, uh, you know, uh, can you tell more about short terms, uh, medium and long uh, terms in uh, account-based marketing? How to consider yeah. them uh, before started any campaigns? I love that question because it really gets to the heart of the issue of, you know, what's a realistic expectation, right, for, for mm -hmm. ROI on an ABM initiative? And that's always an interesting question, the ROI question and the timing question with any marketing initiative, right? Um, but I think it's particularly interesting with ABM because again, typically we're talking about going after enterprise or large mid market accounts, long sales cycle. And so that's where the expectation setting gets really important, right? And I think to your question about, you know, what's realistic in terms of expectations for short term, medium term, longer term, I think the metrics you're looking at and the KPIs evolve over those different time increments, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's say you launch your ABM program. Okay, two, three months in after launch, you're going to see some early indicators, some leading indicators, right? You're going to say, okay, we're, we're seeing decision makers or key individuals within these target accounts. They're engaging our content, right? Whether it's through some organic or paid channel, they're engaging the content. That's great. Maybe they're not ready to talk to sales yet, right? So you need to keep engaging them with marketing content again across integrated channels. But as more time goes on, okay, it's not two to three months anymore. We're six months in. At that point, we should be seeing at least some qualified sales meetings being booked, you know, and then as even more time goes on, okay, those should be turning into bank qualified opportunities. Um, and, and then it, from there, it kind of varies based on the company and your average sales cycle. That's, that's kind of like the standard answer I give on this is you need to align with the average sales cycle in terms of the ROI timing expectations, right? So if I'm talking to someone, excuse me, and they have a nine month average sales cycle, that's what I would say is, okay, let's expect ROI roughly around nine months. If it's an 18 month sales cycle, okay, let's look at 18 months for, for ROI. So I think the, the metrics really do need to evolve as the different time increments go on, you know? And then I think if, if we look longer term, like even longer than the sales cycle length from there, it's not about just winning that initial deal with ABM. A, a part of the cool thing with ABM is you try and land and expand within the target accounts, right? So it's great you land that initial deal, but there's usually more to do because again, you're going after these large enterprises. So it's like, okay, that's phase one. <laughs> we, we, we won mm -hmm. this first deal over nine months or 12 months or whatever. Now let's expand. Let's go after these five other buying centers within the account, right? So there's a lot of ongoing growth potential. You can do ABM over a period of years and keep kind of harvesting and mining those opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, it's valuable. Um, can you tell uh, which companies need to consider uh, ABM and uh, which ones uh, can skip it? For example, uh, I know some big companies, real big companies uh, that uh, 
uh, don't consider SEO. They uh, sell a million uh, uh, products in a month, uh, but they're not yeah. good with SEO because of other priorities. You know, uh, they're good with right. uh, creating brand awareness with other channels, so they don't need SEO. Probably, uh, probably need. It depends, but they right. uh, pay attention to their priorities. That's okay. For example, yeah, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Can you tell uh, which companies need to consider ABM today and uh, which one can skip it and forget? Yeah. Well, before I get to that answer, I wanted to address, you know, you brought up SEO. I think SEO is an interesting kind of um, parallel to ABM because both of them are these kind of medium to long-term plays, right? It's not, hey, you make a change and you get ROI in three weeks, <laughs> right? It's usually <laughs> months before yeah. there's a big impact. So I think that that's an interesting parallel. But um, to, to your question, I, I think that we already talked about it a little bit, but to expand on it and contextualize it a bit more, I think that, you know, if companies are going after high value enterprise or large mid market accounts, ABM can make sense. But I think, you know, if a company has kind of a transactional sales model, right, where they have like, like a 30 day sales cycle, or even a two month sales cycle, something really short, typically the investment that goes into ABM, just the economics don't make sense, right? Because ABM is about usually engaging the target account over this long time span, right? To close a big, big deal. Um, so if it's a transactional sales model, um, or if they're going after like a very broad target market, ABM usually doesn't make sense, right? Because if you're going after a very broad market, it's hard to prioritize this small set of, you know, target accounts. I think, and to expand on that a little bit more, you know, if, if folks are going after like SMBs or startups or like like the smaller end of the mid-market space, typically the ROI and the economics kind of equation, it's more challenging there, right? Because again, you're investing so much in terms of marketing mm -hmm. dollars uh, to, to engage and try and close deals with these target accounts that the deal value is too small as you move down market, right? So ABM really is kind of this enterprise, large mid-market kind of play. Doesn't make sense when you're going after kind of smaller fish. Doesn't make sense in a transactional sales model. But if you have a long-term kind of lengthy sales cycle, consultative sales model, that's where it tends to get really interesting, I think, with ABM. People in North Korea love it. <laughs> they have no internet. I'll but... take the applause. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, they love to learn something new. Okay, uh, can you tell your predictions or future about ABM? Uh, what kind of future are you expecting and why? I think that a big evolution with ABM is that you know, as companies have been testing out and trying to learn how to do ABM successfully the last few years or so, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of marketing that's been done for better or worse based on assumption, right? And it's always kind of dangerous to do things based on assumption. So I think companies are learning, we need kind of a, a more data-driven approach, you know, to an extent, right? You're always going to have with marketing kind of a hypothesis, right? That you're going to try and test and validate. Like we think this campaign will be impactful. We think people will respond in a certain way. So, so you're never 100% sure, right? But I think companies are realizing we need more data at the beginning, um, you know, so that we're operating less on assumption. One example of that is when it comes to 
um, selecting your target account list. You know, the list is critical, of course, with ABM. And so I think what what companies are learning and what I've been seeing a lot over the last few years is that you can, it's what I refer to it as is you can develop layers of intent. Um, so, so you can look at third-party intent signals through solutions like Bombora, um, Sixth Sense, Demandbase, things like that, right? So you can say specific people at specific companies uh, are searching, they're researching topics that are relevant to our solutions, right? So you would say those people might have a high propensity, you know, to to want to buy from us. So you could kind of prioritize at that level where you have the third-party intent signals. But where it gets really interesting is where you can layer on even deeper intent. You can layer on your own first-party data, right? So you can look at, for example, SEO signals, right? SEO intelligence. You can say, okay, which, you know, if you look at like SEO pages on your website, for example, you could say, okay, let's look at the analytics. What types of people at what types of companies are interested in which topics and which pages, right? You can you can kind of get a sense of, okay, we have this page over here on this kind of uh, cluster of topics and the large enterprise type of accounts really engage that content. So you can take that intelligence, layer that on with the third party intent signals you get from say a Bombora or something like that. And you're kind of, um, you're letting the market data tell you which type of accounts to prioritize. Um, so I think that that's really interesting. So I think marketers are learning, we need to be more data driven. I also think um, the kind of flip side to that coin is that in some cases, you know, candidly, I've seen a lot of companies that they use technology almost as a crutch, that there's this kind of over-reliance on technology, right? It can be a slippery slope where they'll buy, they'll invest in an ABM platform. But, you know, if they're... Um, if their messaging and their content is really crappy, right? It doesn't matter how fancy your platform is. Like you need you need great content and great messaging. And then the technology is really just a distribution vehicle, right? Right for that messaging and that narrative. So I think th those are the two things, you know, operating less on assumption and more on data and layers of intent at the beginning. And then understanding the importance of messaging narratives and using technology to empower kind of distribution of the messaging rather than just leaning on this kind of crutch of just, hey, we, mm -hmm. we invested in this technology. We think the technology is a silver bullet and then neglecting the really important stuff like the messaging and the content. So I, I think more and more companies are learning those things and that's how it, ABM is starting to shift uh, as we look forward. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, you mentioned a few times about data. How to yeah. find this data? Uh, do we have some tools or other methods? For example, I remember some uh, great speakers uh, uh, spoke on my podcast and they share different methods to uh, search the right data. And uh, yeah. uh, some of them uh, are using this data for LinkedIn marketing, paid marketing, uh, spending a million dollars to get 10 millions back, you know, on the good money. Uh, when others can proclaim, you know, LinkedIn paid marketing is expensive, it doesn't work, uh, I can't get right. results. But when you use the right data, it works well. So can you tell uh, from your experience how to find it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think with ABM, there are multiple types and genres of data, right? You know, we talked about, um, you know, for example, like SEO data and first party kind of intent signals, right? You would know the tools better than me because you're an SEO expert, whereas I, I know enough to be dangerous, right? That I'm not at your level with SEO. But I think, you know, some of the obvious ones might be like an SEM rush or, you know, even stuff in Google Analytics 
Uh, sorry, losing my earbud here. Uh, mm -hmm. But but there's that kind of like intent signal, first party intent, some of those tools. I already mentioned Bombora. That's a great data source. Um, and, and then I think a big piece is you're trying to validate on the back end, you know, kind of the data that ties to actual like end business metrics, looking at like the marketing automation uh, platform data that you have in there, um, your, the data in your CRM, you know, if you're tying, you know, I, I brought up the example earlier of, okay, you have particular SEO pages on your website and you can see, you know, what leads are coming from those pages. You know, if you can look in your marketing automation, for example, your CRM, you can say, okay, these pages are, you know, generating leads from this industry, but they're kind of like startups that are coming through there. Um, so, so that gives you a sense of maybe that content isn't the best fit, right, for ABM. Whereas maybe this other SEO page, that's where, you know, <laughs> the, the enterprise folks are like swarming that page. And you're like, okay, that is a topic that I should really emphasize in my content for ABM. So, so I think um, th those are the usual suspects in terms of data. You know, that there's some level of, you know, looking at keyword data, um, both, both organic and like paid search data. That, that's some interesting first party stuff. I talked about Bombora, marketing automation and CRM. If you kind of bring these different data sources together, it brings a more complete picture, right? I think th that's that's where the real nuances come into play. Not looking at, in da uh, at data in isolation, but bringing the full picture together from multiple data sources. That, that's usually where it's mo uh, the most impactful, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Um, I'm interested about... Uh... Uh, trying to use this uh, without uh, help from specialists, experts, for example. Uh, let me clarify that. Uh, yeah. In SEO field, uh, if I create content, I need to use a team. Copywriters, editors, content managers, uh, web developers, designers, just to create a piece of content. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, 10 years ago, that was not hard. Uh, and one uh, uh, person sure. uh, could do it anything you know could do uh could create this content today it's not because of the level of yeah. competition uh and you mentioned about uh quality content uh, for uh, seo and google for users it's important uh yeah. what about uh, abm can someone uh jump on this field without uh following uh some i don't know tips from uh, experts who know the topic who know how to uh, go the right way uh, yeah. and yeah share your thoughts about that absolutely you know that's a great question and consideration i think that abm does look different for each company and i think that based on a, a particular company's kind of marketing maturity or abm maturity it will look different right so based on your level of resource um, and, and kind of the level of budget you have, you can approach ABM in different ways in a way that makes sense for your context, right? So I think um, oftentimes when someone is new at ABM, you know, what, what I'll recommend is doing kind of an ABM pilot program, right? Starting small, testing and validating hypotheses, see what works and what doesn't. And then once you have a very clear kind of blueprint on what's working, you can build and grow on that. You can make the case to get more resources, right? And more uh, budget. So I think, you know, when someone is just starting at ABM, you know, if you have a lot of resources, great. You know, you can hire, <laughs> you know, different mm -hmm. consultants and firms to help you. You can invest in ABM platforms, but you can also do a lot of interesting things without much resources. Like for example, you can do target account advertising through paid social platforms, right? You can import a target account list into LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, you can even do interesting things like 
if you're dark, if you're doing that target account advertising, uh, driving that traffic to particular pages and, and then layering on like even YouTube ads that can be really engaging doing like remarketing with YouTube ads. Right. So, so you don't need to be investing in some huge tool. <laughs> That's this big dollar mm -hmm. investment immediately. You can use just these existing kind of LinkedIn, Facebook channels, test and validate the hypotheses. And then when we look at like content, again, if you're already using intelligence from your SEO or your paid campaigns, you're getting a sense already of what content might resonate with these target accounts. Um, so, so what you can do is kind of repurpose that existing content rather than investing a bunch of money to create content from scratch, right? And then again, once you've validated your hypotheses, you can move into a more robust kind of phase two program where you can make that case, hey, leadership, <laughs> I want more budget to create this content. I want this ABM tool um, and, and you can scale it up. Usually, yeah, I mean, ABM usually is like, multiple phases, right? It's, you know, you get to phase three, phase four, phase five, it's super robust, but that phase one, you can keep it pretty modest and palatable, you know, from a, a budget and resource standpoint, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, uh, can you talk uh, more about uh, priorities? Uh, for example, um, uh, when I started my... Uh, uh social media growth uh, in 2020 actually i had a uh, big audience on uh, ukrainian youtube channel on many other social media but uh, i decided to grow uh, to english-speaking countries and right now yeah i create a lot yeah. of uh, content for linkedin facebook twitter but you know that was interesting that uh, uh, i failed to get results uh uh, for, uh, by repurposing content for all social media. That's mm. why I started to pay attention with LinkedIn. And for example, uh, um, I compare data. When I try to cover all social media, I got uh, five, 10 followers a day. Uh, mm. After paying attention with LinkedIn, uh, I could uh, get uh, 200 followers a day, a lot more, because yeah. just uh, saving my time and priorities to one social media. And I often get the question why I ignore uh, Twitter. Uh, all marketers on yeah. Twitter, why uh, are you ignoring? Right. You know, guys, because I can get a lot more when I pay paying attention with priorities. When I have resources, I, I'll jump to this field. Can you yeah. tell more about uh, priorities and in ABM, how to find them, how to choose which one uh, will work much better and jump with that? Yeah, so, so I think that's a fantastic question. And I think inherent within the concept of ABM is prioritization, right? ABM is moving away from just broad marketing, going after a huge market and saying, let's narrow in, let's prioritize, right? So I think mm -hmm. your question is right on point. It, it gets to the heart of the matter. I think that even with that narrower focus of ABM, once you've identified this target account list, we're really going to laser focus on that, right? I think that with a phase one early ABM program, you want to rapidly test different hypotheses. And typically that applies to your channel strategy as well as your content strategy. You want to test out different types of offers, right? You're, you might want to test video content versus um, an executive guide or a blog post, right? You do this rapid testing and you can quickly within a few months or sometimes even, even faster, depending on the channel, determine, okay, this content is resonating, this is not. So I think let the market data tell you what to prioritize. Rapidly test mm -hmm. multiple ideas. I loved your example, right? You said you tested out a bunch of different things and you learned what was working the best. And then you went kind of all in on that. That's what you should do with ABM. Test different channels, 
test different um, content distribution ideas, and then actual content ideas, test different topics and content genres. Rapid testing is really the way to succeed with ABM because if you go, excuse me, if you go all in on just one concept and one piece or you know one set of content, one channel, and that fails, you haven't really accomplished anything, right? But if you rapidly test and learn, then even if a few things fail, you're going to have a few things succeed. You can invest and kind of scale that up over time. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, can you tell how to create the right uh, content strategy considering ABM? Uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, um, I check out a few studies. In SEO field, 36% uh, of all businesses uh, have a documented content strategy. And uh, mm -hmm. most uh, companies ignore it, just chasing raw metrics or generic uh, high volume keywords. Uh, when we have a, a big competition, it's hard to overcome. Uh, many websites. So I think uh, uh, results depend on the right strategy and way that you choose. Uh, yeah. uh, what about ABM? Can you tell how to find the right strategy and uh, how do we know the strategy is right? Right. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I like it. It ties back to your prioritization question, right? Mm -hmm. What are we going to focus on? What are, what are we going to put first and second and so on? Um, I, I think that... Um, you know, when we think about ABM and how do you craft the right initial strategy beyond what I said about, you know, rapidly testing different ideas, let the market tell you what's working and what isn't. I think you need to be mindful of the different personas you're going after, right? M most marketers have a good sense, at least high level of, you know, the different key people they're trying to reach within target organizations, right? And so understanding that like an executive level decision maker one typically just generally wants to consume usually different kinds of content than like a lower level manager or individual practitioner right so like someone who's a practitioner level person you might want to reach them with a very robust ebook that's 10 20 pages it deep dives on their you know things that they're working on every day it helps them get better at their job but if you're going after the c suite or a VP, they're probably not going to consume <laughs> have time for a 20 page ebook right and so that's an example of you know, if you're going after that C-suite person or the VP person, maybe a, a video that's kind of impactful and straight to the point, uh, maybe an executive guide that's two pages, right? And it kind of gives them an executive summary. And if they want more information, they can kind of explore more from there. Um, but, but I think versioning the content to the types of people you're going after is really important. And, and it plays a big role in the ABM strategy. I also think that it's really important. This goes back to not making marketing decisions based on assumptions or just kind of subjective opinions. You need to get feedback from your sales team, right? Before you actually do ABM, you need your sales team to give you a lot of intelligence and insight into, are we going after the right target account list? Right. <laughs> right. Cause again, if sales isn't aligned, what's the point, even if you do your marketing stuff really well, if sales isn't prepared to kind of synchronize what they're doing with what you're doing, the whole thing kind of falls apart, right? And so I think um, having an approach that is informed by sales rather than assumption and then versioning everything, again, the content, the channel strategy to the particular personas, that's another key piece with an ABM strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, okay, let's talk about money. Uh, money talks. Yeah, we know about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you Absolutely. tell how to find the right budget? Uh, for example, if someone 
wanna jump on this field uh no nothing about that uh how to find uh, which budget is right for uh, abm marketing and why yeah it's a great question so so i'll i'll acknowledge i'll acknowledge some obvious caveats to start answering that you know so if we look at you know budget for creating content well if you have existing content well okay then you don't really need a content budget right but some people they do need a content budget i think typically the budget question most commonly is asked with abm in regards to media spend right whether we're talking about you know linkedin or facebook or google ads or if you're doing target account advertising through an abm platform right like a six sensor demand base that's usually the question so that's kind of how i'll, I'll answer it right i think that there's no technical minimum, right? But I think realistically, you probably want to be spending at least 10K a month per channel for it to be meaningful. Anything less than that, it's probably not going to be statistically significant. Uh, you're just not going to get enough click volume and enough intelligence in terms of is the content resonating, right? Are people actually consuming mm -hmm. this content that we're promoting? Um, and, you know, 10K per channel is honestly a pretty small number. So I'd put that as kind of the, the floor. Most of the time, you know, we see clients, again, it varies from client to client, as you can imagine. Um, but, you know, you, you want to be spending tens of thousands of dollars per channel to be really impactful, to make a big splash in the market, to really catch the attention, right, of these target accounts. And then not only land, but also expand within those target accounts. So that's kind of a rough kind of ballparky answer. <laughs> Sorry that I'm not mm -hmm. more precise, but it really can vary quite a bit. But as long as you're spending, again, tens of thousands of dollars in media per channel, that's usually enough that it's statistically significant. You're driving enough volume, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I go to my boss and tell him, uh, please share 10,000 budget for one channel. Uh, you know, uh, I can imagine uh, which type of answer uh, because uh, I think everyone uh, want to know uh, what they can get back. Uh, can you tell uh, the average data? For example, if we uh, invest 10,000, uh, what kind of uh, results uh, you are expecting getting back? And uh, yeah, and uh, because I need to provide strong reasons for my boss, you know, uh, or any other clients uh, that we need to do it because we can get much more from that. Right. It's a great question because it, again, it ties back to setting good expectations, which is so critical mm -hmm. with ABM, as we know. Um, I, I think that one thing I will say is that, you know, organizations that are considering ABM, their executives typically, <laughs> there's some exceptions, right? But they typically understand that they're already working with a pretty long sales cycle. So they already understand just more broadly for their general marketing, even beyond mm -hmm. ABM that, hey, if we're doing paid ads or we're doing SEO or we're doing whatever the channel or the tactic or the strategy is, they understand that it's usually going to take many months to see a big impact. And I think that you know, ABM, since it's not usually done in a transactional sale kind of model, we're not talking about like an e-commerce sale, right? Where you're sending uh, ad traffic to a page and people are signing up to buy t-shirts and you can see the conversion mm -hmm. rate and you can see your cost per lead and your user acquisition costs. With ABM, it's, it's so different because it's a long-term sales cycle, right? So if you're setting expectations with your boss or the executive team or something like that, the way it has to be framed is, what we're doing with our paid advertising, again, it's not this transactional sale we're driving. We're trying to 
educate and kind of inspire our target market. We're trying to use paid channels and organic channels to distribute our content. And it's really that content that creates the demand, right? They're going to uh, consume that content. It's going to build not only brand awareness, but true kind of brand affinity. It's going to you know, if, if the content is truly helpful, it's going to bring them back to our brand, right? And so the idea is that over the course of an ABM kind of program lifecycle, each target account, you're taking them through this content experience, right? Where each piece of content builds on the last piece. Uh, you're kind of warming the account up with <laughs> further and further, right? With each piece of content until they're ready to truly talk to sales, right? And so I think that's the the delicate balance with setting expectations is that, it's difficult. It's not this kind of transactional model where there's a clear uh, user acquisition cost or something like that. I mean, at the end of the program, uh, 18 months in, 12 months in, you'll you'll be able to see we spent this much, we got this much in closed one business. So you can do that ROI calculation, but it's not a, a short-term output, right? So you have to set the expectation. This is going to take some time, you know, and, and back to the earlier question about time increments, you know, you tell your boss, okay, three months in, we're going to see people engaging content. Six months in, we're going to see meetings being booked with the sales team. Uh, and then thereafter, we're going to see qualified band opportunities and then eventually true ROI, right? So again, ABM is a bit of, of a journey <laughs> to get to that mm -hmm. kind of ROI, uh, holy grail that we're aiming towards. Nice. Uh, from my experience, uh, when I cooperate with uh, my clients, I usually uh, tell them you need to learn more about SEO because uh, when someone uh, understands what uh, they're ordering, uh, they can uh, provide, uh, you know, uh, we can uh, cooperate as a cohesive team, you know, to provide much higher results. But when yeah. someone, you know, I want to get SEO traffic, but I don't know what is it, just do everything, you know, yeah, results uh, uh, will come. Um, it's not uh, the right decision, you know, it's better to right. understand. Uh, of course, it takes time to learn uh, about SEO, uh, I'm sure about ABM as well. Uh, yes. But can you tell how uh, companies can learn more about ABM before uh, paying for that? Uh, uh, which resources can you recommend? Uh, probably books, courses, uh, articles, anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one resource, you know, I'm biased because I help create the resource, right? So I'll do a shameless plug. <laughs> um, so, so again, I work at Sphere Marketing Group. We we wrote actually a pretty comprehensive ebook that's called The Pragmatic Guide to ABM Success. And we go through all the variables that we've talked about through this conversation, right? From data to content, to channels and so on, alignment with sales, all that good stuff. Um, so, so again, that one's near and dear to my heart since uh, myself and our agency president, Howard Sewell helped put that ebook together. I also think that um, both Demandbase and Sixth Sense, they have really good ABM certification programs, right? So if, you, if mm -hmm. your organization is thinking about doing ABM, I recommend getting key marketers on your team certified and educated on kind of the nuances of what is it really going to take to craft the strategy and then operationalize it, take it to market, scale it. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I think that <laughs> to, to use a, a bit of a cliche, you know, experience really is the best teacher, right? You can, mm -hmm. you can read the guide, you can go through the certification, but when there's no substitute for getting your own program in market, again, rapidly testing, trying to validate hypotheses. You'll learn so much from that. 
um, and, and use those educational materials kind of as a guide and, and as a starting point, uh, almost as a, a, a digital mentor, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, you're going to learn the most from kind of testing your own ABM programs kind of modestly at first, right, before you scale it up. I couldn't agree more. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's the awesome. same, but yeah, it's the same uh, by reading b- uh, books, uh, how to play soccer or tennis. Uh, right. I can read a hundred exactly. books, <laughs> books, but if I don't play, uh, I can't be a great player. Yeah, so. it, that's very true. Yeah, I can read Michael Jordan's autobiography or something, right? It doesn't make me a world-class <laughs> basketball player. I actually have to get the experience <laughs> and, and yeah. actually test out my skills and practice and all that. Yep. I, I love to find balance between uh, getting an education and uh, practice. And in most cases, I practice because I think if you start from scratch, uh, 80% for uh, getting education, learning, and uh, 20% for action. But when you have experience, you can change uh, the ratio. Uh, Very yeah. true. <laughs> the one other thing I would just cr- quickly add to that, and I completely agree with you, by the way, I think that's great. I think that learning from your fellow marketers, right? There's so many online communities nowadays that are awesome. And, and, you know, asking your peers, what have you done with ABM? Learning, sometimes you can learn from someone else's mistakes, right? And that saves you some time and resources. So I think that's a really great um, way to get feedback and insight as well as just, you know, asking peers and uh, engaging in online communities that talk about ABM. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, John, uh, tell how people can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so, so I'm super active on LinkedIn. That's my most active uh, s- social media. I, I just created a Twitter account recently, but you know, I'm still ramping that up. <laughs> so, so find me on LinkedIn. Would love to connect with anyone. Um, and yeah, thanks again for the conversation. It was, it was great. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Thanks for sharing all these insights. It's so valuable uh, because, uh, yeah, I think it, it. I need to share this episode with my team as well because uh, we didn't consider before, you know, account-based marketing. Right now, I, I think it's the case, you know, to check out. Uh, yes, thanks a lot absolutely. for all your insights. Uh, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn more about you. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Uh, follow John on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter. Uh, connect with him and ask any questions. Thanks a lot for listening and watching us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.